correct. <clears throat> All right, everybody, we're back. This is a little old thing called episode five of the podcast. I decided, first of all, I wanted to change the name to the podcast instead of L podcast, just because, you know, it's a little more French and, uh, I'm a little bit French, a little bit French, not that much French, but Martin is a French name. Um, so yeah, so I figured, you know, just give it a Give it a little French name. <laughs> Plus, I love saying la. It's a, it's a great thing. So for this episode, I actually took the liberty of writing some things down that I wanted to touch on. We're going to see if I get through everything. Uh, first thing that I wanted to point out is check out the new setup. Uh, we don't have the black background anymore, which is, eh, I kind of liked it. But at the same time, I think this new background is going to be kind of fun. I got the picture up behind me now. So you can always stare at that. My roommate thought that, that was a picture of like a camp that I went to sometime, but no, that's just my family. It's all the members of my family. There's like 60 some odd people in that. Well, actually no, in this picture, there's a little less than 50. There's a couple people missing from this picture, but, uh, yeah, that's the family. So you can spend the next hour trying to count the people that are there. And if you are a member of the family, you can find yourself in that picture. You remember that picture. In fact, it's funny when, when we took that picture, I, <laughs> uh, I, I drew lines in the sand. Probably my favorite part of this picture is if you look here on the very far side right there, there's a little hand sticking in and, um, <laughs> I drew lines in the sand for where the camera was going to, what it was going to pick up. And, um, one of my nephews is a, was just a little punk and he decided to stand right outside and just stick his hand in. And so that's, so that's his, his, uh, his appearance in the picture is, uh, just his hand. And he, I think he has some sand in his hand or something. Yeah. So that's his head in the picture, which is hilarious. Uh, um, anyway, so I wanted to, um, to go back through and talk about some stuff. I have actually a lot of stuff on my mind, uh, since the podcast that I released on, Wednesday, episode three, the one about leaving the church. I've had a lot of people reach out to me, as you can probably imagine. Um, and there's been some really cool conversations, some of which I'm going to save for future episodes because uh, there's conversations that I'm going to be having with other people, but some of which I actually want to talk about today, which I think is going to be a lot of fun um, to go through some of the stuff that that came up. Um, but the first thing, I don't actually want to talk about that yet. That's going to come later. But I have, I think what I, what I've started doing is just making a list of stuff I want to talk about. And then as we, <laughs> and I'm just going to sort of go through the list and we'll get as far as we can in about an hour or so. And then I'll just pick up the rest of it in the next episode. So I'll just keep this running list of just rants that I want to go on and then we'll kind of go through there. So, um, <laughs> so the first thing, this is something that I've been wanting to, to sort of get off my chest for a long time. In fact, this is, I'm so passionate about this that there's a good chance that this might take the whole episode, but it's about, um, dogs and dog owners. And, uh, it, <laughs> so there's an interesting thing that happens when you become a dog owner. Um, first of all, dogs, uh, seem to have, well, dogs do have sort of their own little personalities and every dog has their own tendencies and their own, their own mannerisms. And a lot of times you know, you get a dog or a, it really, it happens with any pet, but dogs are, are pretty expressive. Um, 
in the, in their, their personalities. And, and one of the things too, that's very interesting about dogs, unlike most other pets is that they obviously acknowledge your presence more often than just when you need to feed them. So like cats, for example, my roommate Dennis has a cat and I'm actually part of the reason why this come up right now is I'm watching Naomi's dogs for the week, which I love doing. I love having Mia and, and Cleo here. Mia's actually sitting over there right now, just staring at me. <laughs> Hi cutie. Uh, and Cleo's in the other room on the couch cause she got sick of me. But, um, the cat, so Dennis's cat, um, and this has been my, my experience with most cats is she doesn't, she doesn't really like acknowledge your presence unless she wants something from you. So she'll like walk around and like rub her tail on your leg or, or walk past you or like come in and like glance your way, but then like walk away. But she, you, she never really like acknowledges that you're there. Um, in, in like a eye contact, like there's a person, that's a thing I, you know, I want to go interact with that thing. Um, and so you never really know if the cat cares about you, which I think is a lot of where that stuff comes from with cats is they don't really seem to care because of the way that they, you know, that they, that, uh, that they interact with you. But dogs are different because dogs are, um, dogs actually like look at you. And you, they interact with you. So like right now, Mia's looking at me. She knows I'm here. She's looking at me. Like she's not looking at anything else. So she's paying attention. She doesn't know what I'm saying, but she's paying attention. I think the fact she's heard her name a couple of times, she's she's interested. And every time I look over at her, she's got that look on her face like, hello, hi. Um, but it's the same. Most dogs that I've met, that's how it is. Like if you, they they acknowledge that you're there. Now there are some dogs that are more cat-like and and you know, are, don't have the time of day, but most of my experience has been that dogs are a little bit more like that. So, so the reason why I'm talking about dogs specifically and what I want to talk about in a second is, is for that reason. It's because they're so, um, interactive with us. Um, there's this idea that dogs have these personalities and, and a lot of times we tend to, as humans, we tend to put human traits on the dog because they're so expressive, right? So, so because they interact with us, we tend to think of them like humans. But there are a couple of things that, that really concern me about the way that, that most, most people that I've met interact with their dogs. And for the most part, it's somewhat benign. Um, but the problem is in some instances you can create like a long-term negative impact on the, on humans interaction and relationship with dogs by not relating to them correctly. So, um, the only reason why I have any experience here is because I, I raised a dog, Mia, from a puppy, and I did a lot of research before we got her, like a lot. I read probably six or seven books, including the Caesar Milan book. That's the dog whisperer, by the way. And, um, and there were a lot of things that I, that I realized I, had, I was thinking about wrong. So going into getting a dog without having one, you have all these... I mean, we had, we had a couple of dogs when I was growing up, but I never was never really that in, you know, involved in the raising or the feeding or the cleaning or any of that kind of stuff of the dogs. Um, but, but then getting my own and having the experience of doing some research and understanding the way that, that dogs work and think it's just, I think it's important for people to understand that it's not, it's, it's different than you think, right? So for example, I'll just give you a couple of examples and kind of go high level. So one thing that, that people, um, that, that people talk about all the time is that dogs beg. 
So like if you're eating food, they'll come up to you and they'll like look at you and, uh, it's like they're begging for food. Right. Um, and they're just sort of staring at you and they got those puppy dog eyes. Well, here's something that's very interesting. When you give in like, okay, so let me back up. So, so the idea, number one, that dogs beg and that dogs look up at you with those cute puppy dog eyes, we, we attribute childlike, uh, um, qualities to the dog, meaning we say, Oh, he's so cute. Such a cute little puppy. And they're looking at, up at you and they got those puppy dog eyes. And it's much easier for us to give into that because we're attributing it. We're, we're, we're associating that with the same feeling that we would have if our child was looking up at us like looking up at us like that. If a human was looking up at us like that. Well, the thing is when a dog, the, the truth is when a dog looks up at you like that, it's a dominance play. Dogs, that's how they, that's how they show dominance is by staring each other down. It's a, it's a pack mentality and it's instinctive. And so when you're eating something and a dog comes and gives you quote unquote puppy dog eyes and, and stares at you and gives you and, and, and is begging, so to speak, what they're actually doing is trying to display that they are the alpha in the situation, right? So when you give in, every time you give in to the begging or give in to the puppy dog eyes, you are telling your dog, yep. You're in charge, which is, like I said, normally it's, it's pretty benign for, mo- for, the, for most situations, right? It's not really that big of a deal. But every once in a while, you'll find yourself in a situation where your dog will do something unexpected because dogs are not humans where they don't behave the way that we think they're going to. Like, for example, Mia, sometimes she's fine and you could take her on walks and she sees other dogs and she doesn't react. But a lot of the time, if you get too close to another dog, um, or if she's on a leash or if the situation, she doesn't like it, she'll freak out. So if you're not prepared for that, like I'm fine with it because it's, it's how she's always been. It's kind of a personality thing. Uh, just sort of how she, she, she just gets really anxious around other dogs. Um, especially when she's on a leash, which is another, another dog psychology thing, which I'll talk about in a second. She will freak out. And so, but I know that it's coming. So I see the situation. Normally I'll see the situation happening beforehand, or I'm really good at reacting to it because it's happened so often to me, but other people, when like when other people would, would take her on walks or they'd watch her for us when we were out of town or whatever, it, it scares them and it surprises them. And if you don't have a good grip on the leash, she can, she'll, she jumps and she'll lunge and she'll break free. Now she, she's, she's all bark and no bite. So she'll like, as soon as you let go of the leash, she tends to like stop and she's like, Oh, (laughs) <laughs> I don't really want to go at this dog. I just wanted to bark at it. So usually it, it's fine, but every once in a while she's actually gone after the dog. Like lunged at them and, and, and it, it can cause problems. Um, and so the, the, the interesting thing there is just understanding that it may be fine in most situations, but when you, when you give your dog the lead, when you let your dog think that it's the alpha, then you can set yourself for self set yourself up for issues down the road, right? Now, same same thing. So let's talk about, about walking a dog. So dogs are pack animals. Okay, they they're descended from wolves. Wolves are wolves. You see this very very naturally in in the wolf environment. But dogs still have this instinct. the 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 animal that leads is the animal that's in charge. So if your dog is dragging you, it's in charge of you, and it thinks that it's in charge of you. And most of the time what happens is that you can get more aggression out of a dog. Like a dog will be more aggressive when they think that they're alpha because they're protecting their pack, right? They're protecting you, which is good in most instances, except that some situations the dog will misread. So the dog could attack somebody, 
or could just freak out and make a bunch of noise or, you know, whatever it is, stuff could happen just because you um, are letting it think that it's in charge. Well, so a lot of times you think, okay, so how do I, how do I change that? Well, the dog should walk behind you in all situations. You should never stop because the dog asks you to stop. In other words, if the dog, unless the dog like starts peeing (laughs) and doesn't want to walk while they're peeing, then you can stop for that. But, but that actually, um, even before that dogs can be, uh, conditioned to pee on command and like on demand. So Mia, for example, we have her conditioned because of the way that we raised her. And I'll explain how we did this uh, in a second. Because of the way we raised her, whenever I, every time I take her outside, the first patch of grass she sees, she pees. And I tell her to. So we walk outside. Okay, Mia, go pee-pee. And she goes. And luckily she's asleep or she might have just started peeing on the bed. <laughs> but that's, it's, we've conditioned her that way. And dogs, are, in addition to being pack animals, they're, condi- they're creatures of habit. They're on, they're on a clock. So if you, if you condition them to, to taking the same actions, they will follow those actions. Okay. So, so again, back to walking a dog, if a dog is walking in front of you, if they're pulling you, they're in charge, right? You, in all seriousness, dogs are such pack animals that you should be able to walk with them, not on a lead and they should follow you. They should walk right behind you. That's, that's how you know you're in the right the right situation with a dog, the right relationship where they understand that you're the alpha because they'll follow you. They'll walk behind you. In fact, for a long time with Mia, when I would take her to go play Frisbee, there was a portion of the walk that I would take her off leash and I would, I would make her walk right. It was basically a heel command, but I'd make her walk right on my right side and right behind me. If she got too far ahead, I'd tell her to stop. Then I would make sure that I was ahead. Um, and, and basically assert my dominance and just help her understand that, no, you're not in charge. I'm in charge. And, um, and not sort of give in to the little, the, you know, the pieces of, well, just the, the personification of the dogs, cause they're not humans. They, they behave differently. They think they, they, inst- their instincts are different than humans. Um, and so, so I, you know, we would, I would make sure that she would walk and she did when, and during those times. And the best part is during those times, even if she would see another dog, I had more control over her when she wasn't unleashed than I did when she was on leash. And it was because those were the times when I had asserted to her that, no, I'm the one in charge. You do what I say. You come here. You don't, you don't go over. And sometimes, sometimes every once in a while she'd get distracted and she would like wander off onto the grass or wander off to the right or to the left. And I'd say, no, you come back right here. And so that helped her to really understand, you know, where she was supposed to be um, and, and really where she fit in. And again, it goes back to that idea. Like when we have kids, we tend to, to be a little bit more, um, uh, lenient, I should say with, with human children, because we think, Oh, they're being cute or, you know, we're, we're helping them. Well, let them run around and be free. Um, but with dogs and with humans, you can kind of get away with it. I mean, there's, I'll probably do another episode how, about how you should raise your, your children, like you raise your dogs because uh, children are just little animals and the more free freedom you get, the more dominance they display. In fact, a lot of the time, it's the same idea. Just kids are a little, they, it, it turns a little bit worse with kids because by the time they're like three, they can yell and scream and they've really, you've really conditioned them that if they make enough of a fuss, they can get anything they want. Um, and it's the same kind of thing with dogs, except dogs are, are less mouthy. They just, you know, they'll just nuzzle up on you or they'll bark or, you know, whatever they'll do. So, um, another thing about 
making about just, you know, asserting dominance with a dog is entering and exiting your home. So one thing that Cesar Milan talks about a lot, and one thing that I do every single time, anytime I walk any dog, anytime, any, anywhere, if I'm walking into or out of a home, I'm the first one out and I'm the first one in. And it, every single time with Mia and Cleo, the little dog, when I go up to a door, she jumps right at the door and she sits there and she's like, I want to be the first one out. And I always have to pull her back and I say, nope, I go out first. So I walk out first. And then when we come back in, I walk in first because again, it's about asserting your dominance that that's your house, not theirs, right? Cause the minute they start to claim the domain as their own, that's when the aggression sets in. It's all instinct. It's the way that dogs are. It's the way that they evolved. There's a little bit more domesticity to it because we've, you know, we've been living with them for a long time. So they tend not to be as ferocious in their defense and that you can usually get them to, to back off if they go crazy, but the instinct is still the same. And the, the, and so, you know, we, we, the, the, that personification thing, um, again, comes into, comes into play. And there's another thing about dogs. There's so many of these pieces and I'm probably not going to go through all of them. So I'll, I'll probably pick up later, but there's another thing, um, which is, uh, the shame look. So you see videos all the time about, oh, these dogs are so ashamed. Dogs don't feel shame. They don't know what that is. They don't really care. In fact, they can't even associate they don't remember in the same way that we do they can be conditioned to behave in a certain way and to respond to stimuli in a certain way but they don't remember in the same way that we do so if we come home and we're upset about something we see oh there's you know they they trashed the house or whatever they can read your emotion so no matter no matter that's the part of the reason why you can you can say whatever you want but if you you know if you're happy and bubbly about it, they they get so excited. Is be, number one, they don't understand what you're saying. But because they read your emotions, they read your face, right? They read the way that you the way that you carry yourself. If you walk in the door, and the first emotion you you feel is anger, they pick up on that, and they're not ashamed. They're cowering because you're bigger than they are. It's a cowering instinct, right? So there's that's one video that I saw the other day, which is. There, there's this big mess in the house and the, the mom, the owner of the dogs goes and she has like three dogs. She goes to one dog and it's cowering in the corner and she, you know, very sorry. Another dog cowering in another corner goes to another dog and the dog's like giving her attitude. This is the way that she put it. Well, really what it is, is the first two dogs don't feel like they're dominant. They're the, they're the beta and the gamma dogs, like lower on the totem pole. The other dog clearly believes that it's the alpha, the alpha. So it's saying, who are you to come in here and be angry at me? I'm in charge. Right. Um, and so it, you know, it's just interesting. Like the whole thing about rubbing the dog's nose, if they pee in the carpet, they, they dogs can't, they don't associate the fact that they peed there with the fact that you're rubbing their nose in it. It doesn't do anybody any good. If you don't catch a dog peeing on the carpet in the instant, in the moment that it's happening while they're peeing punishment is not, it doesn't do anything to them. It just conditions them that sometimes you're going to freak out. Right, which is why when you're when you're potty training a dog, you have to be hyper hyper vigilant. You have to watch them. Have to have, literally, someone has to have eyes on the dog at all times, or they have to be in a place where you're okay with them peeing, where it, like they need to know that it's okay for them to pee, um, or or a place where they won't pee because it's their own natural habitat. So, like if you give one, that's one of the reasons why crate why uh, crate training is in, is so effective is because dogs don't want to pee or poo where they sleep or where they eat because because they're that's that's they're just, they're sort of, they've evolved that way 
to um, to not want to do that, which makes sense because I don't think any animal really <laughs> wants to do that. Um, but if you um, if you crate train a dog, which basically just means you leave them in the crate and then you take them out and you take them outside to pee and then you bring them back inside and you put them in the crate, they won't pee and they'll get used to peeing outside. Now, I personally think it's better for if you're, especially if you're getting a puppy, um, to just be vigilant and just watch them, right? Because they need to understand not only that it's good to pee outside, but that you don't want them to pee inside, right? So they get both. Because Mia, um, for a long time, well, any any dog really, they'll 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 understand the positive ramifications of peeing outside. But if they don't understand, if they don't, if they're not conditioned to to not want to pee inside then sometimes it'll happen still. Like if somebody comes in and, they, and they're, they're big and, and they have a very uh, dominant sort of personality and a very dominant uh, emotion that they're putting off, a very dominant vibe, the, um, the dog will pick up on that and sometimes they'll pee as a sign of submission. By the way, that's another thing. Sometimes when dogs pee, it's a sign of submission. So like, for example, when, uh, when, when Naomi and I were first married, um, this is a long, actually, no, this is before we even got married long time ago. They, her parents got a dog and I came and it was a puppy and I came in. I was like, Oh, so cute. And I was kind of being a little bit loud and just kind of like, I, I like the dog. Well, she kind of squatted down and peed and it wasn't that she was not trained well, although she wasn't really that trained that well at that time. It was because I was showing a sign of dominance and she was showing a sign of submission. Right, so you have to understand again, and 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 almost use the way that dogs naturally are to your advantage and help to understand that. Now, at the same time, I like, I love my, I love these dogs, and I'm all about hugging them and kissing them, and and they don't really respond to hugs and kisses. They don't, they don't, you know, they don't think of them the same way. Even little Gretel, who's the cutest little thing, or not Gretel. That's kind of a sad. Gretel's a dog that died, but anyway. Cleo, she loves to climb up on you and lick you in the face. Right? She loves to get up right in your face and lick you in the face. Um, and part of that is is affection. I mean, dogs are affectionate animals. That's that's very sure. But a lot of it too is like anytime a dog like puts themselves on you, it's them raising themselves above you. So like if, if you're sitting down and your dog comes over and like puts its paw on you, that's its way of saying I'm claiming you as mine. Um, you're mine. And I uh, just wanted you to know that. So uh, that's just, it's good to know. Like if, like even if your dog comes over and just puts its head on your lap, if you don't like put your head on your hand on top of the dog, it's again, it's a submission play. If you just sit there and let the dog do that, you're showing the dog that, that you're being submissive to it. So now again, I'm not a, I'm not a, a dog psychologist. I've read a lot of literature and I've done a lot of, of um, thinking and, and, and done some research on this, but I'm not like a, a you know, I don't know all the science. So some of this stuff might be not entirely um, accurate in the sense that I'm explaining it wrong. It's all true. Everything I'm saying is true, but I might just not be explaining it right. But um, but it's important, I think, just to understand really how dogs are, especially, well, actually either way, if you own a dog or if you don't. But if you like have friends that have dogs and you go over and visit, you need to understand how to interact with them. Here's another good one. When you walk into someone's house that has a dog, don't acknowledge the dog right away, right? Because what you're doing, dogs normally, when they first see you, they're really excited. 
they get they're very easily excited, and it's it, part of it's because they love you, and part of it's just because they're they're excited and they want you know they want to come over and and show their excitement. But if you reward that immediately by bending over and and oh you're so cute and oh I love you, um, then they're going to keep doing that. They want that. They're easy to condition, and and so what's going to happen is you know it's fine the first time and it's fine the second time, but by the third fourth time you do that, the dog is conditioned to know that it gets it gets its um it gets what it wants by jumping on you when you get home which might be fine for you you might like it i personally do i love it when dogs jump on me but not a lot of people do and if you're wearing nice clothes and whatever like it, the dog doesn't understand when you tell it don't not to jump on you because you've spent so much time conditioning it to jump on you if that makes sense um so like when you when you first meet a dog you don't walk up to the dog and, uh, well, sorry. So that's the thing about walking into a house. If you walk into a house, you let the dog smell you, but you don't acknowledge it until it calms down. That's actually more for the benefit of the owner. Now, when you meet a dog, dogs can be very cautious and dogs can get uh, threatened very easily. So when you meet a dog, you don't walk up to the dog. You don't crowd its space. You don't try and pet it on the head. What you do is you walk up and you, you offer it the back of your hand. Don't look, in at the, don't look it in the eye. Don't try and be weird about it. Just offer it the back of your hand. Let it come smell you. Let it get to know you a little bit. And then it, if it's being shy, especially, let it come to you. Just let it, you know, let it do its thing. They will come to you. Some dogs, like me, me is very shy. So she'll come up and she'll sniff you. And then she'll run away. And then she'll come back and she'll sniff you. And then she'll run away. And she's, she's, not, she's not super touchy-feely like some dogs anyway. So, so sometimes, you know, she'll... She won't even come and like stay with. She likes to kind of be on her own. Um, she really she just likes to be with Naomi. That's the truth. But uh, but that's another thing to understand about dogs is that they they it's just in general they just think and act and and behave differently than humans. Um, it's it's not it's not the same for dogs as it is for humans. And so I think it's just important if if you're going to own a dog, do some research. You know, figure out really what needs to happen. Um, how you need to to act around the dog, how you need to to behave around the dog, um, and understand that that with a dog, a dog is most comfortable when it knows its place, right? A dog, a do- any any pack animal is is most comfortable when it understands where it fits, um, and how how it fits in. You know what I mean? And and it's not about um, it's not about uh, being affectionate to the dog. It's not about showing the dog love because unlike humans who need individual attention and need individual, um, like equality and and different things like that, dogs, again, really just want to be part of a pack. They want to know their place and they want it to be clear and they want to follow the leader. Like they want to know who the leader is and they want to follow that person or that, that dog or whatever it is. And so it's important to, to do that. Anyway, this is my little rant on dogs. <laughs> I just think the important thing is there's so much more to owning a dog than just, you know, cuddles and licks to the face and, and you know, have, having someone to take, take on walks. Like there's, there's a lot more to it. And, and the more you understand about the way that dogs are, the, the better your relationship with your dog will be. And I think actually owning a dog, the, this, whole, this whole concept of, of understanding the way that dogs are and, and being, being like actually responding to them in a realistic way, I think can be helpful in life in general because it's the same thing with, it really is the same thing with humans. If you understand the way 
somebody thinks, the way somebody acts, the way somebody relates to a situation, you're much more likely to be able to affect uh, what they want to do, right? You're much more likely to be able to get a worker to respond the way you want them to and to do the things you want them to if you understand where they're coming from, right? If you understand the way they think. Because, like, if somebody is, if you like, for example, if you take, like, a, one of those Briggs-Meyer or one of those quadrant tests, if you're treating somebody like they're in one quadrant but they really prefer to be treated in a different one, they're not going to respond correctly. So I think in general it's good to understand that. And and here's the big thing, and I'll do a whole episode on this. I mentioned this earlier, but if you getting a dog, I think, is perfect training for raising kids. Now, I think you can raise kids just fine. I have plenty of brothers and sisters that never had dogs, and they've raised kids, and they've done a, a swell job, and I'm not taking away from that at all. But I do think that as far as conditioning is concerned, um, children behave a lot like dogs do. And I've, I do have some experience with this. I've seen it. Um, when you, when you let the child become the alpha and you are a slave to what the child wants, um, first of all, children are dumb. They don't know what they want. They don't know much of anything. And you're the adult. Same thing with dogs. Dogs aren't, dogs are intelligent, but they're not really smart. They don't, they're not, you know, they, they, they don't read books. They don't really know, you know, they don't really understand how cars work. They don't really understand how streets work. Right. Um, and so in the same sense with kids, like you got to, condition them to behave the way that you want them to behave anyway so that's my rant on dogs i, I hope that didn't incredibly bore you but it's it's super interesting read some of the 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 books on on pack mentality and dog psychology and it really changes the way that you react and interact with dogs um i think in a good way but anyway we'll, we'll talk more about that okay so the next thing i wanted to talk about is um is this mug and it's really cool I, i've been wanting to show this to to people for a long time, but I haven't really had the opportunity to. I got this as a Christmas present, actually from another one of my roommates, um, last year. And it's, uh, <laughs> I'll show it to the video. If you're just listening to the audio, I'll just describe it as best I can. But the, the mug is how to be a gentleman. Um, there's all sorts of awesome things like how to wear a monocle, right? So I'll show the, the video, show this for the video. But it says stuff like, step one, hold the monocle by the loop. Step two, make a wow face like, open your eyes really wide and then insert the monocle. Step three and step four is relax your face. And then it shows these pictures. <laughs> if it's, if it shows, if it's too big, a, it's too big. B it's too small. <laughs> oh, these things are hilarious. Rules of a gentleman rules of being a gentleman. One, always say please. And thank you. Rule number two, uh, always stand up straight. Rule number three, always be punctual. Rule number four, never use curse words. Don't think I agree with number four, uh, but you know, probably in certain situations it's more or less appropriate. But I think that if you feel like using a curse word, you might as well. That actually is another thing. I might go on a rant right now uh, about about swearing and curse words. Um, in terms of the language that we use, uh, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, sentiment in in well the way that I grew up was very. Swearing is bad. Don't say bad words. It's going to cause problems or whatever. Um, but the, the problem is the way that we communicate is, has, has become a, a translation or filtration system. So I might say words like, um, oh, what the heck? Or, uh, or you know, using some of the, like, the Mormon cuss words. like some, you know, People say things like H-E-double hockey sticks or um, holy shiz. 
you know, to talk about what, you know, the, the words that they're trying to say. The, the funny thing is, um, as far as language and communication is concerned, the, first of all, the person saying that is already, they're expressing the exact same sentiment. So they're using a different word to say the ex- literally the exact same thing. The difference really in, in uh, communication f- from – so communication – man, this is going to need to be its own. You know what? I'm going to save this. I'm going to do a whole episode just on human communication. And I have some of you, if you're listening to this, who have heard me talk about human communication before are rolling your eyes already. But there's a, there's a huge um, disconnect in human communication because of the way that language works. And because of the fact that we use language to translate emotions and feelings, um, and then so the, the emo- basically the emotion happens, it occurs, it's translated into words, and then those words are comprehended somehow by the other person, and then translated, retranslated back into emotions. But there's no real connection with the emotion or the instinct or the feeling. Anyway, there's a whole there's a whole bit that I'll do on how interesting and crazy that whole concept is. Um, I won't get into it now because it literally will take like an hour and a half. You know, another it's gonna it's a it's its own full episode. Um, but the the point of it, the whole point of it is, if you if you're saying things like "what the fetch" or "holy shiz" or uh, "what the heck," um, because you think that you're not cursing, they're the same. It's literally the, it's the same thing. Heck is the same as hell. Shiz is the same as shit. It's it's the same. It's the exact same thing. Bullcrap is the same as bullshit. There's, there's literally no difference, right? Um, so that's, anyway, that's, <laughs> that's a rant that's coming. In fact, I'm going to write it on my list right now just to make sure that I actually get to it. Language. Cussing, etc. Uh, I'll say, let's see what else on this is on this mug. So we've got, oh, how to, how to tie a bow ties on here, which is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious. How to stuff a stag's head. There's a little picture of a stag's head. It says, send it to the nearest taxidermist. No sense in getting one's hands messy. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, how to stuff a pipe. And it gives like the anatomy of a pipe. You can see on there. The bowl, the pot or chamber, the carbon layer, the bowl, the shank, the peg, the mouthpiece, the draft hole, the bit, the lip. It's kind of cool. How to shake a hand. All right. So this, you use it, an upward motion. When you, when you go to, to clasp hands, right, you go like this, and then up and down, up and down. And it says, uh, don't forget a good firm, firm grip. That's actually a huge one. I can't tell you how many times I'll shake someone's hand, even like a guy, and it's they go to shake hands. Like a lot of times we'll do fist bumps now or like high fives or we'll do like the, the grip hug thing. But sometimes people actually want to shake hands, but then they'll just kind of give you a limp hand. And it's like shake my hand for crying out loud. If you're going to shake my hand, like shake it for real grip. That's the whole point. That's what a handshake actually is. Um, figure number four, how to fold a pocket handkerchief. That's kind of cool. Uh, and then mustache care, care, basic kit, a comb, some scissors, (laughs) comb, scissors, wax. And then it says comb, trim, apply a small amount of wax to the fingers, apply to the mustache and pinch at the ends. Uh, speaking of which, speaking of mustaches, if you want to see someone with an epic mustache, there's a guy on this season of the ultimate fighter. His name is, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Khalil something, the ultimate fighter, Khalil Roundtree. I want to say, 
Let's see what his name is. I think I might have. I think that might actually be it. I think it is Khalil Roundtree. Let's see. Let's show you here. This website is not giving me what I want. Roundtree. Yep. Khalil Roundtree. Um, Just look up a picture of Khalil Roundtree. He has got the most epic mustache. And it's even cooler because he's black. Not that black people can't have mustaches, but you don't see it as often. And it's it's the full on mustache with the with the the the, the curl at the end. It's awesome. He he's he's uh, he's so awesome. Um, so check him out. That's uh, that, that's pretty cool. And I think that's it for the mug. Yeah, that's all it's in the mug. But I love using this mug for my tea in the morning because it just reminds me to be a gentleman. This is so funny. It even has, so it has a picture of how to be a gentleman and then it has like figure one, figure two. So it goes through all the different pieces and, and, you know, indicates where, what part of it, it, it fits with. That's hilarious. Anyway, so that's the mug. I've been wanting to kind of show the mug. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about yesterday, what's today? The 29th. So it would have been Tuesday. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk. I want to do a today in Gary Vaynerchuk segment. Because I, I uh, like a lot of what he has to say. Um, I actually had a good conversation with a friend of mine yesterday that, that kind of brought Gary back down to earth for me um, and just reminded me that everybody's human. Nobody's perfect. Everybody says dumb things and everyone has, everybody has people that don't really like them as much and don't respect them as much as maybe you do. Um, Gary's a great guy and he has a lot of good things to say, but it was just a good reminder that like don't put all, you know, don't just don't put God status on somebody. And I historically, culturally, I come from a background of doing that for people of just putting people up on a pedestal and not, not, um, taking them for what they are, which is human and fallible. So anyway, I like a lot of what Grace Gary says. And I, I, sometimes I may bring up stuff that I don't like that he says, but most of the time I like what he says. And this time, uh, what happened was he, he shows a video, he's in a cab or in his, an Uber and uh, this this lady comes up. He's notorious for being very approachable. Um, in fact, the same guy that I was talking to yesterday that that uh, doesn't love his him as much as I do. We'll put it that way. He said he ran into him in in it's an airport in Connecticut and went up and talked to him. Had a good conversation with. Him. Like he's very very approachable. He's even he's even said tweet me your phone number and I'll call you. And he'll have like little two three minute conversations with anybody around the world. And he's notorious for loving to take selfies with people or letting people take selfies with him, I should say. I don't know if he loves it, but he does it. So this, le- so he's in this Uber and this lady sees him on the street and she comes over and he rolls the window down and she goes, hey, can I take a selfie? He's like, yeah, yeah. So she's, she's got a video going and she goes, what are the th- three, uh, three words um, of advice or what's the, you know, the three most important things? If you could give me advice or give me words of wisdom in three words. And he goes, oh, three words. And he says, this is what he says, you're going to die. Um, and then she's, she was like, Oh, that's so cool that you would say that and all this kind of stuff. And it's very interesting. If you think about that concept, you're going to die, which is true, by the way, I don't know if that's shocking to anybody out there, but you're, we're all going to die. Um, it, when you think about when, when the fact that we're all going to die, um, it can, it can really ground you in reality and it gives you a very, um, it, it, it changes your idealistic 
view of what you're going to be doing today, if you really, really internalize this process, this, the, the concept that you're going to die, that we're all going to die, the person, you know, I'm going to die, you're going to die, the people around us are going to die, like everyone's doomed to die. Um, if you, if that is the, sort of the, uh, uh, a guiding principle in your life, um, it can, it can ground you in a sense of reality such that instead of spending a lot of time and energy trying to chase after, um, sort of ethereal, uh, non-realistic pursuits, it can sort of cut some of the, the, the glamour out of that. So instead of, um, trying to make everything theoretically perfect, you make everything as good as it can get. Right. So for me, like in business, instead of me thinking, Oh, I'm going to make a a trillion dollars or I'm going to become president of the United States or whatever it is, like I'm going to, I'm going to change the world. It helps me realize, no, I'm, you know, we're all going to die someday. Um, and so either I'm going to, going to get on board with whatever pursuit I want to, whatever thing I want to pursue and actually go do it. Or, um, I'm, I'm, it's kind of hard for me to explain this. And I don't think I'm doing a very good job, but the idea of, of considering your own mortality as, as, as a daily sort of practice. Um, I really like that he said that because I think that it, it, it equalizes everybody, first of all. And it, I think it has a tendency to, um, to break down ideas. Uh, first of all, it break, uh, it obviously breaks down the idea of immortality, but it, it just, it just brings you back into reality, um, about, about the way, the way things actually are. And I think this is really the big thing is I think it, it, because it grounds you in reality, it helps you to do a better job of really, uh, accepting what's actually going on, like what's actually happening in the situation that you're in. Um, so things like, uh, dealing with, um, dealing with a family member, right? Sometimes we can think, oh, I got to, I got to deal with this. I have to be on good terms with, with my family. I got to do all these things. And we can kind of suffer through, um, through relationships with people because we think we're supposed to act a certain way. And we forget that they're going to die. You're going to die. Everything is limited. Time is limited. And the more time you spend, I think, okay, I think I talked my way to the point that I was trying to make. So you can kind of ignore the rest of the stuff. I think the point that I was trying to make is because we're all going to die, you don't have time. You, you, there, you don't have time to waste on negative influences. If there are people in your life that are bringing you down, that are causing you stress, that are, that are, and if there are people in your life that are trying to cause you stress, or there are people in your life that just don't fit with you, that, that, that are too much work to stick around with, just get, just, just cut them out. There's not enough time for you to spend and waste, um, on somebody else. So one thing a friend of mine brought up that what he really liked that I said in the episode three was, um, that I refuse to take responsibility for your choices. That's the same thing. I refuse to take responsibility for, uh, for your choices, for your feelings, for, for anybody else's anything. I'm taking responsibility for my life and I'm doing what I want. I'm being who I want to be. And if, if somebody else doesn't like it or if it causes problems with somebody else to the point where we can't interact, we can't get along, I just don't interact with that person anymore. 
because I'm not responsible for the way you think or the way you feel. I'm responsible for me. And if I spend all of my time worried about how are you feeling about what I'm doing, how are you going to react to what I'm doing, I'm never spending any time on me. And, and that's, it's just a waste of life if you're not actually considering your own wants and needs. So I think the whole thing about you're going to die, a lot of times we think of it like, oh, get into motion, go do things because you're going to die someday. And I think that's true. But also I think it, it means don't, uh, don't let yourself get caught up doing things, interacting with people, being stuck with people in your life that aren't bringing, moving you forward because there's not enough time. You're going to, you don't want to waste any, any more time. Um, so, uh, so I think that's very important. Um, all right. So I got about 15 minutes left. What I want to do with the last little bit of this, one of the uh, future episode is going to, first of all, I'm going to talk about language, the cussing thing. Uh, Dennis and I are going to talk about, um, episode three. He had, a, he went back and listened to it and he has got a bunch of questions that he wants to, to ask. So we're going to do it as a, as a podcast episode, cause I think it'll be interesting for people to hear and just get a little bit more detail on, you know, why I said some of the things I said, maybe get some clarifications. Um, we're also going to do uh, some more fight um, commentary. We're going to have so our our Dennis and I trained in a gym, and our the owner of that gym is going to his he he agreed he wants to come on the podcast. So we're going to talk about fighting and maybe do some some fight commentary. Um, then Dennis and I are going to do the if UFC champions were the Avengers, who would they be? Which I think is going to be awesome. Um, then there's this one about language. And then there's another one that I really want to do, which is probably going to be its own episode about, um, the interesting paradigm of count of culture versus counterculture versus counter counterculture. And what, and then what I like to call metaculture, just this idea that if someone will say something and then there's going to be a group of people that are going to say everything they can against that thing. And then there's going to be a group of people that are going to say a bunch of stuff against what these people said in opposition to what these people said, but not actually agreeing with the first people. So like group one makes a comment. Group two says, I hate comment the comment that group one made group three says, yeah, but group two, your comment is wrong because of X, Y, Z, but they're not really concerned about what happened with comment one. And then group four comes in and basically it's that whole idea of like people just creating conversation out of nothing. And then metaculture, which I'll talk about is the idea of examining the whole thing from a third party view, which is what I like to do. Um, which I think will be really fun. But what I want to do is close this out today's episode with um, an interesting little conversation that I had. I had a random, this person that I, I didn't know, uh, but she apparently grew up or she, she, um, she knows me from a long time ago when I was just a baby. She knows the family and um, she, she listened to the, ep- the episode three and she liked that I've talked about the indoctrination ritual. Um, which has sparked some little bit of controversy, actually not a ton, but a little bit people don't, some people don't really like that. I talked about that. Um, but what she did is she came up and she was, she was telling me she read a book that talked about this concept, which is called, um, commonality audit. All right. So a a commonality audit is kind of a passive, I'll I'll kind of explain it to you. So a commonality audit is, uh, a, a way to determine whether or not you and somebody else are still on the same grounds. So, for example, if you um, if you went to, well, let's say if you're Mormon, right? You grew up Mormon, and you uh, you you encounter somebody who you think might have left the church, and you or you're not sure if they're still Mormon, you'll ask questions that are somewhat benign, 
but that will determine whether or not they're still Mormon. Like, like, um, a good one is what's your calling, right? So a calling in a church is basically just like your assignment. So you'll ask, Oh, so what calling do you have now? Which has, has, it's basically the way of asking two questions at once. It's a way of getting past, are you still in the church? Which is an awkward question for some reason. People don't want to ask that question. And then number two, asking, you know, what, what they're doing, but you don't really care what their calling is. Um, cause what you're trying to do is, is just figure out whether they're still a member of the church or not. And so that, and that's something I think that's the case across any sort of genre or group where, where you're trying to, uh, to determine what's happening. And I think it, it finds its roots in a, in passive aggression. And I think that passive aggression, first of all, uh, I had a great conversation with my sister the other day, yesterday, actually about how the Martinos, Martinos are probably the Kings and Queens of passive aggression. Um, we have it, we have it kind of figured out to a science. And when I discovered how passive aggressive we were and discovered how, how detrimental it was, um, it's, it, it kind of affected me (laughs) and I, I decided that I wanted to change it. I'm, I'm doing, I'm trying really hard to be a lot less passive aggressive. I mean, even that episode, episode three that I released was a little bit passive aggressive. I could have just had that conversation with my family, like face to face and not blasted it to the public. Um, but I, kind of wanted to blast it to the public to avoid having that conversation so many times. Um, so I, you know, it was had a little bit of positive, a little bit of negative, but passive aggression, I think, um, is, a, is this huge, it's a, it's a very, uh, detrimental thing in our society right now where you can, you can say something by not saying anything where you can, you can make an argument without really using words and it, I, I, you know, one thing that happens all the time, and it's, I did this, I still do this to some, to some extent, but it happens in my family all the time, is somebody does something to offend you. And instead of saying, oh, I didn't really like that, maybe don't do that anymore. Because, and and I, don't, I don't know exactly why uh, we, we, we act this way. I have some theories, which I'll go into later. But um, instead of saying, oh, I didn't like that, we'll just sort of be resentful and kind of be quiet and then not talk to the person for a little while. And the person's like, well, what's going on? What's happening? But we won't say anything because we, we want that person to, to just know what they did wrong. Just to understand, even though they don't have a clue, they're just living their life, doing their thing, trying to, trying to live the best they can. And we're over here pissed because they didn't read our mind and just know what we wanted them to do or what we wanted them to say. And so, um, and so it's it, it's very interesting because uh, because if we would just take the you know if we would just st- step up and just say this is how I'm feeling and this is why we would actually get what we wanted but we're we're sort of stuck in this idea that if we get what we want because we ask for it it cheapens it it's not as it's not as um, it's not as valuable to us. Like, we don't really like it as much. Like, ah, well, of course you're going to do it. I just asked you to. And I know, I know this feeling because I, this was me. And to a lot of, certain extent, it still is. You know, I'm very, very like, oh, well, you should just, you should just know. And then you should just figure it out and then come apologize to me. And then maybe I'll be happy. But the problem is, even in, here's the thing. Even in situations where the person does figure it out and they come and they say, look, I'm sorry about this. Usually our response is not, oh, thank you for, for noticing. Thank you for for coming and apologizing. Let's move on. It's like, I'm not mad because we don't want to be mad. 
right? So I think, I think especially the Martino brand of passive aggression, but I think most people's passive aggression comes from a, a, a lack of desire to be a thorn in people's side. It comes from a lack of wanting to, to put people out. Um, so it comes from this weirdly good place, but at the same time, we're, we're literally trying to, <laughs> it's so funny. We're, we're trying to get somebody else to tell us to, to basically control our, um, the, the, this, what's happening for us. We're trying to get somebody else to step in and take control of our emotions and, and help us to not be so upset all the time. When really, if we would just be okay with getting things because we asked for them and then just ask for things, we would just get everything that we want. Part of the big problem too is that we don't really know what we want. We're just going by the emotions that we feel and we get upset because we're upset. I used to get upset at my mom for being late to pick me up all the time or for being late to leave or being late in general. Um, I never said anything. Why, 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 can, why would I expect her to, you know, the fourth time being late, I'm getting madder and madder, right? I'm more and more mad every time she's late, but I never said anything. So the fourth and fifth time that she's late to pick me up or to, to leave somewhere or to take me somewhere, um, like why nothing's changed for her. Nothing changed for her from the beginning, but it changed for me because I'm holding it all inside and being resentful. If we're just honest and we just say things like, I don't like that. Why did you say that? And that becomes the norm as opposed to holding it all in and then exploding. Uh, it just, it just makes for a different and I think a more positive interaction with other people. So I think it's, I think it's important. And the whole thing with a commonality audit, you know, asking somebody that way, if, if you have like, for me personally, if you have a question, ask it, be respectful, but ask it. But at the same time, be prepared for me not to want to answer. If you, you can ask any question you want, but I don't have to answer it. Right. So a lot of times we won't ask the question because we're afraid that the person is not going to want to answer it. Well, that that's dumb. Just ask the question. I don't ha- like I said, I don't have to answer a question if I don't want to. Most of the time I will. And if you're respectful and you ask a question from a place of curiosity and from a place of sincerity, I have no problem answering that question. I have nothing to hide. But I don't want to waste my time on people that are um that aren't being respectful. So I've told several people already that have listened to that episode 3. You know, they're like Maybe can I come? Can I talk to you about stuff? Like, do you, if I have questions or if I want to talk, bring up certain things, like some things you said that I don't really understand or agree with, can we talk about it? And I'm like, you listened to the episode, so I know you respect me. So yeah, I'm willing to put, I'm willing to put to invest time in that, in our relationship because you respect me. But if somebody just, the, what I know is going to happen is there will be some some percentage of people who will see the 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 post and see the title of the episode and see that it, it's me telling how I left the church. They won't listen to it, and they'll just reach out and say, oh, I want to talk to you. Let's get back in touch, all this stuff, right? And actually, I've been surprised. So far, everybody, I, can, I know everybody has actually listened to it because of specific things they've pointed out about what I said. So if you listen to the episode, if you respect me and you put in the time to actually understand where I'm coming from, absolutely, let's have a conversation. Let's talk. You know, what questions do you have? What things can I answer? How, you know, do I want to answer? But if you're the type of person who's just going to uh, not, you're going to approach it from a standpoint of you being right and me being wrong, then I'm, I don't have time for that. I don't have any interest in that conversation. And even if you do ask the question, I, if I feel like, like I don't have any, I, have, I don't owe anybody anything. I don't owe anybody an explanation for my actions. I don't, I don't, I don't report to anybody. I don't answer to anybody. 
Um, I can, I'm completely 100% self-sufficient and I don't need, I don't need people in my life that are going to be judgmental like that. So, um, again, so I think it just goes back to that whole thing with passive aggression, that commonality audit, those types of things, just in general. Um, I think it's more important that we say exactly what we're thinking and what we're feeling as a, as a society, you know, just in general, if you have a thought, if you have a feeling, say it, like put yourself out there, take a risk, ask a question and don't, don't be afraid. By the way, fear, that's going to be another episode. I talk about fear for days. Don't be afraid. Or even if you are afraid, you know, take a step, you know, um, say what you think, say what you mean. And if you're missing, misinterpreted, then that's, that's, that's called being human. Right. And you can explain or you can, we can figure it out the other way. But, um, but I think that's super important. So anyway, um, thanks everybody for listening. Those of you that did, uh, I uh, got to get back to doing some stuff. Oh, I'm going to do one on dating too. Dating after divorce. Cause that's always fun. Um, I, uh, I'm, uh, thanks everybody for, for watching, um, for listening that that episode three podcast is probably the most raw that I've ever been. And in 24 hours, it had over 250 views. I shared it, you know, with not that many people. So I'm, I'm very surprised and it grows every day. So I think it's, it's, it's spreading pretty rapidly, which is, which is cool. Not something that I expected, but it is pretty cool. So, um, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be back again on the morrow talking about probably the counterculture thing. Yeah, I think that's going to be next. Um, and then, uh, sometime this week, it'll be about some other stuff. So super excited about all that. If, by the way, if you're a, if you, um, would like to have a conversation and actually be on the podcast, um, just shoot me a text if you know who I am, or you can tweet me at Brett James. Um, and, uh, I, I would totally love to have people on to have conversations and we do the whole thing live. I'm not one to like cut things out and edit things like, let's just have a conversation. Um, but I'd love to do that if anybody's interested. So anyway, thanks everybody for listening and, uh, I'll catch you on the flip side. Peace out.